The information in this podcast is current on the day of recording. It is general advice only and does not take your personal situation into account. It may not be suitable for you. Participants in this podcast may also own the stocks discussed. For a full list of current recommendations and stocks owned by staff, members of Intelligent Investor can visit www.intelligentinvestor.com.au. Welcome to Stock Take. My name's Gaurav Sodi. Joining me today is analyst James Carlow. Welcome, James. Good morning. And uh, the real research director, uh, Nathan Bell. Hey, Nathan. Thanks, Gaurav. Sorry, gentlemen. I'm getting confused because you're both in here. I think this is the first time um, the three of us have done a podcast together for well, years, for, I reckon. For a little while. Yeah. yeah. That's well, maybe you're getting confused because James was up until the weekend and still had a research director on his, the bottom of his email. Oh, maybe that's it. Was, it was, I said you're welcome to it. <laughs> I no, did but notice I've been that trying actually. to change it, but, the, but it's all set so up is Nathan. in the system. It's automatic. I can't, there's nothing I can do. But I, I think I've, I've, to, I've tongue to change. Right. I don't it's think Nathan's been, been trying to stop it. It's embarrassing. Yeah. So we came into the office. I rocked up a little bit late today, sorry. But there was. Uh, James, tell us what happened today when you walked in. When I walked in, yeah. well, my tire on my bicycle blew up. There was a sudden loud crack. I had to take it to the bike shop. I might go to Nathan for this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the market has taken. The market today. opened. Yeah, yeah. That was a, that was a little bit after I was in the office. Uh, my apologies. I uh, when the that. market opened, um, I was uh, flabbergasted to yeah. use the words of uh, that what the Victorian health minister or something. Is that where um, that came she from? Says, anyway. Oh. Um, yeah, because the the spy futures. I mean, I'm not very good at reading all these futures and things, but the, mm. but they'd been down one and a half percent. That's what I was expecting, mm. and then suddenly the market's down four percent. Mm. So yeah, I was flabbergasted. I came in a little flabbergasted because I had read on the way in today that oil had fallen twenty percent in one session, which that's I, flabbergasted. I have never seen that before. Not even during the GFC where there was a proper demand crunch. I I. Never saw that. I, I thought she thought it was a typo. I thought, oh, idiots, must be 2% and someone, <laughs> someone put on an extra zero. <laughs> and I went and checked and it was actually, yeah, it felt 20%. So, um, oil well, in addition, the oil price is not exactly at a high already. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's already fallen such a long way. And to fall that much in a session is but almost capitulation. Is, is this just the spot price? So if you buy oil yeah. for one year delivery or something, is that is that fallen as well? Is there, it? There's a curve for oil, yep, but mm -hmm. I haven't checked the curve, but the spot price, yep. But fell, is it just there's a sort of, there's a short-term supply sort of problem, is there? Is that what it is? Well, mm -hmm. oil price doesn't necessarily reflect um, demand and supply all the time because it's a financial instrument as well as yeah. a real instrument. You can trade on it. Um, so it really uh, bounces around with um, trading activity as well. Now, over the weekend, there was a meeting between the Saudis and the Russians to try and uh, agree to cut supply because demand has clearly fallen with China being basically shut down for a couple of weeks. Um, but there was no deal forthcoming. So the supply has not changed. Demand, demand is low. Is off, yeah. And small changes in demand and supply do make a big difference mm. to the oil price. On, on top of that, you add the trading activity and, and you get it. It's, it's quite easy to understand when you think about it how it can fall 20% in a session. Can't you just if you've got the the oil, wouldn't you just sort of leave yeah. the barrels in the car park? Oh, you'd think so, right? <laughs> and yeah. then, rather than sell them at a twenty percent discount. Oh, this is Charlie yeah. Munger's view of the U.S. storage of oh sorry um, oil mm. inventory anyway, and their long term assets. They said, why should we be selling it? Yeah, at doesn't these degrade prices? in yeah. any way at all, does it? It, it does. Millions, I think it's quite hard to store years. though. You have to. It's hard to store yeah. a lot of oil. So this actually happened during the GFC. There was um, the coastlines of major um, ports were filled with um, tankers just sitting there in storage. And it had this weird situation where the oil price was tanking, but um, storage rates were actually rising because people were doing, as you suggested, yeah, James, right. just trying to hold just on for a bit longer. Because that, that curve, yeah. the price curve. The price curve, about, that's yeah. right. But you eventually get to a stage where you just need cash to pay your bills. And um, and, and so there's a limit to how often you can do that. Yeah. I thought Friday's session in uh, in Australia was, the, that was the first time that actually felt like a lot of capitulation mm. selling to me. It just felt like everything was getting sold except for CSL, as always. <laughs> um, but it just felt like mm. it. people weren't really discerning between different businesses. But this morning, it's not just oil companies that have been hit. The travel companies now have fallen dramatically. I had a look on the weekend to see, I went and had a look at um, a lot of the listed companies in airlines in America, where yep. there's a lot more than here. Uh, I had a look at the cruise companies. And just the last few days, the, the share prices have just completely just headed straight south. It's just a straight line down. And I feel like that capitulation selling, and uh, I, uh, I've literally got um, 
you know, we'll talk about the portfolios and our recommendations at the moment because I think that's what most people want to hear about, how it impacts them directly. But it's not <laughs> this, when we spoke just before we came in here with these falls, I actually had the hairs on the back of my neck were standing up. This is the first time I've actually been really excited about the value that's potentially on offer, maybe now and over the next six months, uh, for probably seven or eight years. I, I just feel like that capitulation is, is, we just haven't seen that for a very long time. And because prices and valuations have had to come down from such a high um, start, and now these travel companies, I mean, Flight Center, maybe we'll talk about this, but balance sheet's rock solid. The earnings aren't rock solid. I mean, if things slow down, it's going to get hit. But we've seen this company go through this a number of times. And mm. for a value investor, um, and also I should say, there's a couple of companies we own that recent results have been excellent. And I think they're improving and getting better. And this is, you know, maybe there's a short-term impact. But when you start seeing share prices go south and potentially the business going the other way, like this is what you start getting excited about. I love the smell of panic in the morning. That's it. The uh, yeah. one one that's actually because one we were disappointed. We looked at it zero. Uh, Hasn't moved. It, it had barely moved. Mm. Well, it's now down six percent. Now down okay. seventy dollars. Yeah. Trouble with that is that it, it does need to get quite a lot cheaper for us to be interested. But but the quality stocks. This is interesting. The thing that happened during the GFC is that you you started off with a lot of the rubbish being sold with the heavily indebted rubbish. And then the quality stuff started going down as well and ended up going down almost as much, I think, in, in some cases, uh, because people are, are sort of trying to raise cash to buy the other stuff. And, and so in the end, it starts being fairly indiscriminate. And and I think that the the quali- quality is, a, you know, at times like this, it's a, it's a good idea. Quality matters more than, more than you know. Well, it's interesting that... Uh, I've read a lot of interviews with other fund managers over the weekend and some people have talked about the first round effects of what is being priced into the market so far, like the obvious stuff. But there was a platinum biotech analyst uh, talking about the potential impact on CSL mm. and what's been, uh, maybe this is a bit of a segue to talk about our model portfolios and, and funds, but the recent performance in our income fund uh, was slightly worse in February than the market. And the main reason is that because we've, I don't think we could have prepared this fund any better. We've had 10% cash, we had another 5% in 360 capital, which is essentially a cash box. Uh, we've been well underweight the banks. We were selling CBA at near $90. We were underweight the iron ore companies. Well, I just feel like we've done virtually everything we could have done because we still need to meet the yield promise on the fund. And yet it was slightly worse than the index. But the frustrating thing is the companies like CSL, which I, I went and measured it on the weekend, is 7% of the index. And its share price was flat mm-hmm. during February. So it just hasn't moved. And yet this biotech analyst for, for Platinum was actually saying, well, you know what, this uh, coronavirus might not actually be very good for CSL. There's a lot of panic in the healthcare system and they might actually find they struggle to get all the plasma they need and mm. a lot of things will actually slow down, which will have an impact on the earnings. And I think people are hurting into companies like CSL and coronavirus has probably reinforced what they already believe about CSL, which is it's economically immune, it's growing fast, it's the best stock on the, in Australia and whatnot. And I think that's what I think is interesting what you're talking about, James. Mm. If there's any crack in these ball cases for these companies are trading on 50 times earnings, um, you know, then we might actually finally get a chance to buy some of them. I mm. did see over the weekend, I was reading some of the papers, and um, the consensus view seemed to be that this is still an opportunity and a lot of advice was buy the dips. This is the time to get in. And I was telling my dad about this and he said, oh, yeah. Um, one of his friends had called him up and then told him that now is a great time to buy because there's uh, the market's cheap. You don't get that sort of consensus in genuine fear and capitulation times. During the GFC, the time to buy was when the newspapers had gone resolutely negative, where the headlines were dire and when no one was recommending buying the dip. That, that's when the real fear and capitulation grips well, we the may, market. We may not quite we get, may not get that, there, but, but I actually but, think but it's I, looking I mean, good. I think that's a, it's a valid point. Mm. Um, and I think also it's a mistake to think about the market as being a sort of homogenous thing. We don't buy the market. I've, I've never bought the market in my life. I mean, mm. obviously, plenty of people do when they buy index records. But, um, you know, really, it's stocks that, that are interesting. Mm. And I think there are more opportunities now than there were a couple of weeks ago. Um, but still, you know, the the not not necessarily in the stocks I'd like to have opportunities mm-hmm. in, but uh, but one or two definitely. Well, let's get to those, um, Nathan. How are the funds positioned to take advantage of this? We know they've got a bit of a cash box, uh, a, a cash waiting. 
is now the time to deploy it and where are you looking to put it? Yep, so I'll just, uh, so I've talked a bit about the income fund already and the ethical fund uh, has had about 20% cash and it, it's really, <laughs> it's a really hard decision when you start a new fund as to whether you should go straight away and be 100% invested because I've seen a lot of funds not fully invest and just missed out on these big stock market rallies and it really hurts the performance for a long time. But I was just looking around, um, was it Templeton, James, you will know this better than I do, but said that, uh, you know, the market uh, peaks with euphoria, um, but then it ends up, you know, I can't remember how the, what the four stages were. Mm. Oh, um, I can't remember. Was that, I can't remember. Was that Templeton? And this is what I think we're talking about here is um, the four s- sort of stages of, um, you know, first the excitement and it builds and builds and builds. I don't think there was... Uh, in people's views or emotions, there was euphoria this time. Mm. But I did think in February and early this year that that was the first time I saw euphoria yes. in share prices. Yes. And that's why we've had cash in the portfolios. And it's been a drag uh, and, you know, it can be frustrating. But I just thought there was no way I want this uh, this ethical portfolio invested 100% right now. And it's interesting, even a fund manager I follow who writes quite well in the state said he actually thought he was an absent um, to your, your, your duties, of fiduciary duties, to be fully invested mm. at that point. And I actually thought he had a good point. Mm. Um, you know, even though we're long-term investors and whatever, valuation is important. It hasn't mattered for so long, but eventually it does matter. And I felt like that was sort of clearly obvious that when I see CSL at CSL 50 times earnings, that to me is just saying, look, this has gone too way too far. And, and no one wants CSL to go up more than me because it makes my old recommendation look better. But <laughs> I just think that's, you know, if you're looking for someone ringing the bell, I thought CSL at 50 times earnings was arguably it. Um, but anyway, uh, the ethical fund, um, there's probably some stocks we're looking at, but I think the sorts of stocks that we want in that fund and uh, that sort of tick those ESG boxes, they're not the ones that have got cheap. So uh, I'm not in a rush to put, or we're not in a rush to put that 20% cash to work. I think it takes a bit of time for the earnings um, to actually show the effects of the lower oil prices and the travel coming down and whatever. So you don't have to be the first person to, um, to get into these. It's moment, the momentum in these stocks at the moment is just all one direction and it's going to take a little while for confidence to mm. come back. And So I don't think we need to be investing today. The growth fund, which to me is the one that I measure our skill as a team on because it has the least restrictions, so it doesn't have to tick the ESG boxes. Um, we can fairly, we can just about invest in anything subject to liquidity. And it's been hurt a little bit recently by some of our larger holdings. So the Ordinates, uh, Frontier. The Visa. Uh, La Visa, but RPM Global is another one. Mm. Um, most of those companies are quite illiquid and quite small. But I really see those some of those names as being the backbone of the returns for that fund for a long time to come. So I have no intention of selling any of those shares at this point. Uh, particularly the first three I mentioned. Obviously, La is a lot more cyclical than the other ones. Um, but we've got 15% cash in there and another 5% in 360 capital, which I sort of consider a cash box, even though you don't really want to think of it as cash because the time you go to reach for it, you know the share price will be down. This is an important lesson in investing. But I think we're as well prepared as what we could have been. So don't necessarily look at the underperformance at the moment as saying we've taken more risk. I don't think that's the case. I think we've actually been quite conservative and ready for this. But in terms of actually putting the cash to work, particularly with the income portfolio, I think income investors are really being shortchanged at the moment. There's not a lot there to choose from. Like Transurban hasn't moved. Sydney Airport's down a little bit. You know, all these sort of big names that you want. The banks, as I wrote the article last week, I don't think they're particularly cheap at all. Although, you know what does look really cheap, um, which I almost struggle to find an explanation for the price fall, is Tabcorp. Yeah. Um, like that thing has just, um, it's fallen about a dollar a share in the space of a couple of weeks on no news, really. I mean, the result wasn't great, but um, I think the investment case that we've we've outlined is still makes a lot of sense to me. And lotteries should be fairly economically immune. Yeah, you'd think so. The internet yeah. is not going so, to slow so down so in I terms think, of the purchase. Yeah, that's right. I think people yeah. keep gambling, don't they? Doing, doing Maybe more. <laughs> Maybe more. Yeah. JC, question for you. Um, I mean, uh, Nathan just outlined how the portfolios are quite well positioned. Do you think this is a time to follow the fear and panic into those sectors that have been hit the hardest, you know, the energy, the travel um, and the tourism sectors? Or do you go and buy um, the, the quality that hasn't fallen quite as much? Well, I tend to stick to the quality. I mean, mm. I, I look, I mean, I think the thing is you look at stocks that, you know, you have stocks on your watch list that you like um, and you see that they've fallen and you, you try to 
match the fall against what has happened. I mean, things have changed. I mean, Ordnate's a great example because there is no doubt it's right in the thick of it. Its mm. supply chain um, goes all the way around the world. The, the chips that go into its products alongside its own um, come from everywhere, and so there's going to be a, there's going to be a big hit to volumes this year. Um, but what I would say, and I did say in our update on Ordnate, is that the, the, this year's valuation, uh, sorry, the, the volumes this year, are, uh, you know, really mean nothing to the valuation of Ordnate. And so I think it's uh, a good example of a stock that's hardly going to. I really see very little of long-term effect on mm. the company from this uh, this coronavirus. So you know that's so you you've got to, you've got to think through the the implications. I mean, look, some some travel stocks. Um, you know, they could have a, a much more long-lasting um, uh, impact, especially if they got a bit of a, a bit of debt, something like you know, something like a Qantas, which certainly isn't on my watch list. But you know, but you, you you've got to just think it through, and you've got to. So your valuations, I think, even for Ordinate, I'm I'm going to notch down my, my you know in my mind my, my, the valuation for that stock by ten percent possibly. Mm -hmm. um, but it's down thirty, and so it's uh, to me it looks like a good opportunity. Um, shares price probably going up with the low oil price, has it? Yeah, well. Actually, I disagree with both of you guys about Qantas, actually. I, I think um, it's one I had a bit of a look at over the weekend, and I think it's a we've done it in a session. We've been in a development session. We've had a, a close examination of Qantas. I think it is a better business than what most value investors give it credit for because so much of the earnings come from that um, that points business, and it's got a domestic yeah. monopoly, basically. We concluded uh, we didn't yeah. like it, though, didn't we? I think we all we all looked at it. Well, we liked the points business, but it wasn't enough. But I, I think right. at the time the share price was at sort of seven, eight bucks, maybe yeah, even nine bucks high, at the time. Yeah. It was quite high, and and now it's uh, I mean, maybe it's five bucks. Yeah. Chance of going broke. I think it's. I think it is. Yeah. I think it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I think it is. Whereas uh, the Qantas balance sheet is extremely strong. They've actually returned about a third of the entire capital base back to shareholders um, over the last couple is of years. Is that a good idea? <laughs> is it, is it that well, when you're not, we're not carrying that much debt. I mean, and, and I think the, um, uh, you know, if they can get some rationality into that international pricing, which has been happening around the world, that was the weakest point of Qantas. The, the rest of the business is actually not too bad and earns reasonable returns mm -hmm. on, on capital. Um, anyway, but that's just here and there. Um, Nathan, how, it, it sounds like from what James is saying that the, the choice whether to follow the panic or to follow the quality is really a personal one. Um, how does that, how do, what does that mean for the portfolios? If it's a, if it's a personal decision, what, does, what do the portfolios do? The portfolios, uh, I think they're because they're aiming for such different things, uh, I always think about uh, what's the biggest advantage that we have as investors, both personal because we have a membership service, but also the portfolios we manage because they're still quite small by funds management um, terms. So the ethical funds, you know, $20 million, um, the growth funds, 13 or $14 million. So uh, I just see them as there's a real opportunity to buy stocks where um, people aren't thinking about the next five years and I think this idea that liquidity and illiquidity is a double-edged sword. You can get crucified in a bear market by holding a lot of illiquid stocks. And we, we own a couple, but the portfolios are very liquid. And, uh, for example, the average market cap in the ethical fund is over $5 billion. Mm. Uh, but the stocks I like the most personally in the funds uh, are, are in the funds. And that's Frontier. I mean, I've got a big personal holding in that, which has been hammered. But I just, um, you know, obviously there are risks in that business just naturally from the op where it, the markets it operates in. But uh, the recent information coming out of the business has been good. Uh, we just talked about off air about uh, Pakistan's not a global destination for travel. Um, <laughs> it's it's not a big importer and exporter. It's you know it's a fairly, you know it's a developing country. So in terms of coronavirus, it should be the least impacted of just about anywhere. And and I like it. Nothing's changed. And the recent information coming out of the business is actually just it's in the best position it's ever been in as a business. So personally, I'm trying to look for situations where we can apply these advantages that we have, uh, both, as I said, both personally and as a professional business um, to, its, to its maximum effect. And I feel like I'm really personally looking for these multi-baggers. Um, you know, obviously the income fund has a very different mandate. We're trying to deliver a good yield. And so I'm really hoping Sydney airports and mm. Maybe a transurban or some of these things, you know, even CSL. There's a room, there's room for CSL in that portfolio at the right price. So, like James, you know, nothing's going to make me happier than seeing all the quality companies coming off and finally getting a chance to upgrade them, like we did during the GFC. We had a pretty good record through that period. 
you, you might get your markets down. I'm looking at it down four five percent now. Wow, um, which is a good because <laughs> the point I was going to make when you were asking talking to me before, yeah, um, is is that I think the key with these things is just not to panic. You know, mm. we got you got to remember, you know, that, that we're still way above where we were at the beginning of last year. Mm. I mean, you know, the market the market's where it is. It's it's chosen to fall a long way today because various stocks have been hammered, the oil price and all that. But you know, it's not. You don't want to be rushing into any any. Certainly not selling decisions or buying decisions. You you, you just got to weigh it all up, um, and just look rationally. You know, the market rose five percent in in January, didn't it, or something? I mean, it, it was. It, it's been very strong recently. So you know, this middle of this, February, yeah, very. You know, if that didn't cause you to make many moves, then then neither should this. So it, it's it's all about you know, staying calm and rational. Gee, that's very sensible. I must say, I panicked early <laughs> and um, when this hit I mean we talked about this in the last podcast I sold a couple of holdings that I thought were at high risk um, Danaco which owned debt and was a crappy business run by yeah, you pretty, that, pretty yeah. poor yeah. characters yeah. Um, I got rid of that instantly and MMA Offshore which I always said was either a 10 bagger or a zero and I thought um, you know, if China shuts down for a couple of weeks this is more likely to be a zero than a 10 bagger um, and so I sold that as well um, but when we had that conversation, this is the last podcast, yeah. two, three weeks ago, I mean, the market was still pretty high. It's pretty high it had fallen yeah. a percent or two, but yeah. the market was so it was pretty easy finding things to, to, exactly. to take profit in. Yeah, yeah. Um, I took a little bit of profit in the REA group, okay. and, and I've actually since, since bought it back. You bought it back, um, yeah. But uh, probably wish I waited a few days. <laughs> but uh, but uh, look, I mean, uh, these are big moves. I mean, I got I got it, bought it back for twenty percent less than I than I sold it for. But mm. um, I mean, I think the thing is, you you've got to see what position sizing you're happy with, mm. and and as that stock goes up, the position sizing gets a bit bigger, and mm. you think maybe I'll shave a bit off, and as it falls, it gets a bit smaller, and you maybe think I'll add a bit on, and and so. I think you you know you, you've got to have an eye to the weightings and the position sizes you're you're comfortable with in each mm. stock, um, you know, and 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 look for for opportunities. So let's talk about our personal portfolios a little bit and how we're reacting to this. James, is this? It sounds like for you, this is a opportunity you've been putting on positions. Yeah, um, I mean, adding. I I was selling a little bit into la uh, last year. In yeah. fact, even so, I missed out. I mean, look, I mean, my, my portfolio was already at the uh, at the smallest it's been for a year or two. Um, and so I am looking to, to sort of find opportunities, build it back up. Mm. Um, uh, so, so, um, uh, hence why I was sort of taking a bit of profit in REA. The, the other two stocks that I've added to, they're not new stocks to my portfolio, um, are Ordinate and Altium. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, Altium's another one where I don't really see why it should mm. be terribly affected that the altium is all about you know what happens 10 years from now mm. and and the, the it's you know a very solid balance sheet it's in you know it's in no danger of of uh needing you know capital or anything like that so i think um uh those sorts of stocks are where where you can find good opportunity i must say i'm getting uh, nathan we'll come to you, your portfolio in a sec um but i'm getting more interested in some of these really torn down um, panic areas. I, I, I think things like Flight Center, um, Eek. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Webjet, Energy. I think Energy, you know, um, if there's one area that will bounce back that probably isn't affected by behavior, it's Energy. I'm nervous about travel as an industry because I just think sometimes it takes time for people to resume their normal behavior. But not five or ten years. I mean, Probably not five, I mean, no, not know, five or ten the years. The value of yeah. these companies is, is yeah. very long. Well, you know, it's a long-term investor. You know, you can look through what's going to happen. I mean, certainly, if you're on a P of 10, you lose a, um, a year's profits that's um you know that, that that's going to be 10 percent of your valuation so yeah. i mean look it can for for cheaper stocks it can be significant mm. um but for for growth stocks you know it matters matters much more what's going on five ten years and and yeah. so i think you know growth stocks that are well capitalized and there's a very good justified growth story um i mean that may be why the zeros of this world aren't yeah. going down so much <laughs> but uh um, and the other thing that's hard to anticipate is the regulatory response. Uh, so I, I suspect actually airlines are probably going to get a leg up from um, authorities and governments, just the way the car industry did during the GFC. Uh, you know, this is a How do they do that? Do you do cash for clunker airplanes uh, or something? I think you just give them loans. <laughs> I think you just you just hand over billions of dollars you to airlines. Money, I can yeah. see that happening, yeah. Mm. Um, but I am worried about sort of the longer-term changes in behaviour. 
Um, you know, I think, Nathan, you point out to me, or maybe it was you, James, one of you guys mentioned to me that um, during the GFC in the UK, um, people tried Aldi for the first time to save a couple of coin, and they realised that it was perfectly fine to shop at Aldi, and that was the beginning of Aldi's big march towards greater market share. It was just, it was a change of behaviour that was prompted by a short-term shock, but then ended up being like a long-term impact. And I think I'm worried about those sort of effects rolling through the travel industry. I think cruises, for example, I think they're almost gone. Like, uh, who is going to go even after this coronavirus is, oh, some people is love finished? Them. Some people love them. I mean, that's the thing, you know. But, but everyone knows now that they're a germ everyone, factory. Well, but they were that before. I but, mean, but people, people weren't people aware of it. People weren't aware of it. They've been getting terrible gastro out of cruises for, for a long time. Perhaps you're right. But this is what I'm just concerned about. And I also think something like um, sanitization products. People, once they get into the habit of washing and hands and using sanitizers, I think that habit just sticks. I mean, I'm certainly going to be I didn't know how often I touched my face and, and how often I did not wash my hands. And I'm doing, um, I'm changing my behavior a lot. And I don't think that's going to change even after all this goes. Nathan, tell us about some of the stuff that you're concerned about and what you're doing in your portfolio. Yeah, so I think if I was 10 years older, I would probably be looking for some of those bigger names and just maybe, I guess, taking on less risk. But that's, a, you know, we all define risk a little bit differently. A low price can cover a lot of sins. Yeah. But, but I'm... Yeah, I'm just turned 44, and as my twins kept reminding me on the weekend, I'm very old. But I'm still in a stage where I'm spending a lot Youngster. of time. <laughs> I spend all day, every day, six to seven days a week on my portfolio or intelligent investor portfolios. I, I love what we do. I'm finally, I'm really getting excited at the moment about what's going on. So given that I'm spending so much time on it, I, like one of the lessons for me of the GFC, uh, and some people were saying this, but... A lot of people were just focused on the big blue chip names that they knew, mm. and that actually wasn't where the value was. Like the value was in Flight Center at three dollars seventy. You know, you've made life changing returns mm. from buying some of those more cyclical things. And one of the points I made in the February fund reports, which we I published last night on the web, on our website, was just that I feel like for the first time some of the cyclical names to me. Maybe we can talk about Woodside, which has been punished this morning. Mm. These are starting to look to me much better than the CSLs. Before, you know, I was much more happy to be in those healthcare names. They were growing fast. But even ResMed, as uh, I think last week, its share price has actually gone up um, mm. since the coronavirus. Um, like, I don't know what people think they're going to like buy more masks or something. But it's at 40 times earnings. And I'm trying really hard to be a long-term investor and hang on to these stocks because it's a core holding in the ethical fund, in our growth fund. Um, but in the ethical fund, we haven't even owned it for 12 months, so we don't even get the capital gains discount yet. So I'm trying hard not to sell it. Um, and it is economic immune. It's growing fast. It ticks all the boxes. Well, it, might, it, it could have supply chain issues. I'm just wondering. I mean, they've they've it, got to put they've got to put components into. The, I mean, they make they make things with mm. chips and whatnot. I mean, you know, they've got to source those from I don't know where. But I mean, that's the absolutely. So I'm thinking at 40 times earnings. Like my gut instinct is telling me you know, sell, like it's time to start buying some of the more cyclical things because if Flight Centre gets down to $15 or something like that or, um, you know, maybe Woodside at 20 we unfortunately we went a bit hard too early as it turns out in the income fund, but I'd, I'm starting to feel like I'd rather own those than CSL at 50 times earnings where the business could continue doing exceptionally well for the next five or six years and you might not make any money. And people say they're long-term investors in these great businesses, but after two, three, four, and five years mm. of going nowhere, even though the business is doing great, and I, did, and I wrote this in the fund reports of February, but CSL is almost priced like Microsoft was in 99, and it took 17 years for Microsoft to regain mm. its share price. And I don't care how long a long-term investor you think you are, you haven't got 17 years in you. And Microsoft is a better business than CSL in my view. And I just think that's the situation right now. So I'm starting to think more what's been punished the most. Flight, Flight Centre in, in the GFC, I mean, it was up four or five times within the space of six months, I think, mm. um, from memory. And uh, you, you're not going to get that from a CSL right now. Um, the, thing, the thing about it is, though, and I don't think you're going to get it from Flight Centre either. <laughs> that's the, I should stress that. I mean, the, the difference is, I think, that then when you were buying flight, it was cyclical, but it was quite high quality. I think the quality in Flight Center has gone down a bit because the internet has yeah. advanced a bit and, and that uh, sort of mature um, you know, consumer travel business is, is 
is not as strong as it as it used to be. Um, so I think some of the some of the um, some of the gloss has, has rubbed off flight centre. Interesting. I think the U.S. business though, the you know the executive or corporate business is far better now than what it ever was back then. So well, everyone's focused on the Aussie yeah. leisure, but it's a bit sort of, um, you know, I think it evens out. I actually like the prospects. The reason it's in the fund, even though it's only a small position, is because of that US business, because they actually want to be, they think they can be the largest travel business in the world. Mm. And um, it's much more profitable being in mm. those corporate businesses, helping them out than it is selling airline Absolutely. tickets. But if, if I've learned one thing from watching Flight Centre, it's that it can fall Absolutely. a whole lot yeah. further. Which is why there's no can. rush. Yeah. yeah, I mean, because, you know, it's got um, high fixed costs and, it, and, it, and the earnings can disappear very quickly. Mm. And, you know, in those times and when there's negative sentiment mm. in, in the past, it's just kept grinding downwards. So I think, you know, uh, I think it, the, the, these are times where, as we've said, it, patience really is a virtue. you just and got to get your numbers sorted out. And I do worry that it is going to be a bit different this time, famous words. Um, but um, <laughs> I was speaking to a neighbour of mine who works at a big, uh, you know, Pfizer, the world's largest pharmaceutical business. Uh, he's a senior manager over there. He was saying that the entire company has cancelled all international travel, all of it for everyone, and they've installed um, video conferencing worldwide. I just think, are they really going to spend as much money on travel next year as they did last year? You know, but they, w- uh, but they will in five years' time. You I think mean, so? Yeah. I don't know. I think once people get used to a new norm, um, your habits start changing. It's hard to get someone to change the habits, but once the habits are forced to change, you sort of go into a new new try, normal trajectory. Try to stop drug company executives from <laughs> yes, going to yes. a, a, a knees up in Barcelona. Yes, yes, no, quite right. But I think once you've made this investment in conferencing and people are used to staying in the same place and they realise it doesn't need that much, I, th- I think the volume of there's a risk that the volume of corporate travel does not go back to where it used to uh, be. It'll, it'll take a little while. I mean, yeah. it'll certainly slow. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And I guess it's all a question of degree, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but these are the sort of things, I think these are the second order consequences that people don't necessarily think about. And I think we're used to dealing with panics inspired by financial crises or some sort of recessionary event. And here we're dealing with a crisis inspired by a health crisis, which we've never really had before. Oh, and health impacts people's behaviour. I haven't seen it in my life. I mean, before. the swine flu. Yeah. I, I remember that. Being I a slept lot through of that. I had no idea there was even a swine flu. No, you mentioned well, to me this morning. I yeah, didn't even know about it. I think we yeah. all got. Well, I think I think I had it. Twenty <laughs> percent of the world's population had it. I, I was. I mean, it's um, yeah. it, it, but it just was pretty mild. It was much milder than than yeah. um, people think this coronavirus is yeah. going to be. So, um, although it killed disproportionately younger people, yeah. so it was. Um, look, it was different, but but at the same time, people were saying the same things about oh, are people going to travel? Perhaps you're right. Sort of thing, and, yeah, and yeah. I mean, it's easy. It, 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 we're ten years on, and we've sort of forgotten about it. And but see, I, I, I think was that's a, the likely the thing is though, Jane, I was alive during that. I wasn't a professional investor, but I was alive. I had no idea there was a swine flu. I wasn't aware. Didn't of you stop part of your toilet paper? We had we had a rolls no. during the swine flu. I tell you. <laughs> No, but this is the know. first time we've had um, a health epidemic in the age of social media. And the mass panic you see now, and there is genuine panic all over the world. And the response of, of governments, I mean, Italy, a free democratic country, has locked down 16 million people. They're not welding people's door shuts the way that China is. But that's How do you remarkable. Lock down Italians, though? I think yeah, I would like to see that. You do need to weld their door shuts. <laughs> yeah. But the point is that I think the, the health a health event affects people's behavior more than a financial event might. I just think maybe it could be a bit different. And so I'm just, I just want to put that out there. It that could this cause might a be financial crisis. I mean, I think yeah. a financial crisis is always going to be more serious for financial assets, I, is my guess. Sure. But, I, but I think I wouldn't discount the possibility of a health crisis causing a financial crisis. Sure. And I think that we're, we're sort of on our way there because, look, I won't say it's an overreaction. I think this is a very serious thing. We've got to slow it down mm. so that fewer people get sick before there's a vaccine and we could save millions of lives. Um, but I think we've also got to be slightly proportionate about it. You know, I think that's, you know, sure. So, we, we, we you know, we need to quarantine people. But I think that quite quickly the cat is going to be out of the bag and it's going to be... You know, one thing, one thing I've learned out of all this is that um, being rational and sensible is always the right thing, but it's not always the best thing. Um, if everyone around you is panicking and irrational, you sitting there being the rational, calm person is probably the worst. Well, it leaves you without any toilet paper. That's, that's, that's what we learned last week. That's if everyone right. else is yeah. panicking, I mean, I, I, 
I mean, pan- if you're going to pa- panic, I mean, this is what always say this. If you're going to panic, panic nice and early. Don't share no. Oh, I did this shit. Well, I got oh, from yeah, the Hoff. Well, All right. Yeah, 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 <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think there's, um, there is something, it's very easy for, um, for investors and particularly the value investors to sort of take on this Zen-like uh, calm and always well, say. Well, we're just being patient. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think there's a cost if everyone else around you is panicking and you're the only one not panicking. Um, I'm, I, you know, I'm you not can't sure. You can tell that's how much people are going to panic until yeah. after they've panicked. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, you, all you can do is focus on value, I think. And sure. If you're, if you're focusing on how much people are panicking. No, no, I'm, I'm not talking then, about or, buying or stocks. Or if you're trying to end, Oh, I see. Well, I, I'm, I'm talking about um, the, the, uh, the way people's behavior might change and the way people are... Uh, are behaving towards the yeah. the pandemic. I'm not talking about buying yeah, stocks right, here. Right. Yeah, I'm but just the, saying. You see, the toilet paper yeah. I think is quite interesting because yeah. it's it, uh, it to me it seems like an absolutely 100% rational way to behave because if you see empty shelves, yeah, if you're down to your last two rolls and you see empty shelves, yeah. then the next time there's, the, exactly. there's some there, you're exactly. going to take a couple of bags. Yeah, you know, and um, you know that that it's it's low cost. It's it, there's just no downside to having an extra few rolls. I'm in laughing because James's uh, toilet paper behaviour has become quite legendary in the office. Hasn't <laughs> well, it? I'm surprised well, how poorly handled <laughs> that whole situation was. My <laughs> wife got abused when we picked up an online order. She only got half what she asked for. I didn't which get any like from Coles Twelve rolls or something like not even mm. a proper big pack, and we've got five of us in our family. <laughs> a seven-year-old man just abused her. Um, but you just would have thought with these just-in-time supply situations and surely, like, there's a whole heap of it in South Australia, could they really not just, like, get a few extra pallet loads and put well, it in the front have. of the done that and those store are and well. just, like, say, look, They've there's plenty that. here. Yeah. But, like, it was very slow in happening, right? It's uh, I'm, So I'm just a little bit surprised mm-hmm. things weren't better handled. Now, supply chain actually showed a few chinks in the armour, if you like. Nathan, um, are, you, how you, are you dealing... Um, I mean, are you panicked are you seeing panic how do you think one should respond yeah look i i think the most important thing of not panicking is actually not having all your money invested i think if you're 100 percent invested which i don't think any of us have been telling people for quite some time because valuations are where they're at if you've got cash now or just like i'm it's hard to draw the line for me personally where my cash in the portfolio starts and cash in life starts because i don't have any other assets other than stocks and cash and i've i've had a um, a cornerstone holding, if you like, in cash for a while, but I've but the, but that also helps because the stocks I tend to buy are, are like Frontier are at the pointy end, to to say the least. So I'm I'm not panicked. Um, my wife's earning better money than she ever has. Nothing's going to happen to her store, um, so I'm happy we've got two incomes. So I don't need to panic. I, I feel like I've been well placed for this for a long time and have probably given up a bit of return over the over the years for that. Um, but that helps me sleep at night. It means I don't have to panic. So for the individual, it's like what situation do you need to create for yourself where you don't have to panic? And what I worry about, hopefully not II people, but a lot of people have been putting, it's so desperate about low interest rates, they're putting money into all sorts of yield funds that have mm. been listed. I think that KKR credit income fund that mm. we got questions about mm. fell, was it 8% in a day or something no, or well, something yeah. like that? Mm. And people, I don't believe, have any under understanding of the, what securities are in there or how the credit markets work. And I say that because I've been a professional for a long time and, and it's hard. It's like you've got to follow this stuff and it's all in America. Uh, all this That's where the real pool of these securities is. And I read Howard Marks and these other guys that are experts in it and it's complicated stuff, so I don't understand how the men on the street can understand this stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of panic in those sort of markets, and I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people are panicking because they've been forced to make investment decisions that they wouldn't have wise, uh, other, otherwise made because of low interest rates. Well, it, it's a bit like the toilet paper as well, isn't it? Because, you know, those those fun- and we saw this in the GFC, some, some funds that were actually fine underneath end mm. up getting closed because there's, there's, everyone starts withdrawing their money and they can't get it they can't liquidate their holdings quickly enough and then things and if you think things are gonna <laughs> gonna be be closed then you're gonna get your money out and if you, everyone's getting their money so you get into a vicious vicious circle don't you i think the one thing that also makes me feel uh, okay as well and i think this is a very underappreciated uh, we talked a little bit about this before but an underappreciated quality about business and your own personal balance sheet is is having a good balance sheet so even though flight center we know that the earnings are going to get hit and they've already had one little downgrade but the balance sheet's okay and what destroys you as an investor uh, a long-term investor is when they have to raise capital at a deeply discounted rate and that's the one thing you need to avoid because that's permanent loss of capital and if i look through the balance sheets of our in uh, intelligent investor portfolios there's no gearing in these 
these businesses. You're looking at something like what I actually sort of some stocks I think are getting a bit interesting now is Star Entertainment mm. and Crown. Mm. Uh, like they're monopoly businesses, uh, they obviously compete a little bit more about it with each other now. The new casinos are getting built, but Brisbane's getting built in Queensland. Uh, new casino for Crown in Sydney, which is obviously makes it a bit more competitive for Star. Uh, but these are businesses that are going to have their share of tourism for the next 10, 20, 30 years, and the dividend yields are starting to look all right. Mm. So I think they're getting quite interesting and um, sort of just completely changing the topic here. But <laughs> another stock I own is Rolls Royce. Which has just been uh, so. I've um, I'm guilty of this, and you've probably seen these uh, charts from a lot of people. But the gap between so-called value stocks and growth stocks is at an all-time high before, or was at a high before the coronavirus struck. Uh, even worse than 1999. Now, it's a bit different because in 1999, a lot of value managers made their reputation through those following two or three years. Uh, even an old boss of mine said you could buy Honeywell, which is a very well-regarded defence business in the US, he said you could buy it on four times earnings. Now, I think today's sort of rhymes with the technology stocks, but you're not able to buy these great businesses for four or ten times earnings. That's what's different. But there are some stocks out there that I think because the revenue's not growing well or they've got temporary company-specific problems of which Rolls-Royce is one, and it's been a graveyard for value investors for about five years, but I think they've got an excellent CEO. I, I think their earnings like a coiled spring, the balance sheet's fine. Uh, you can't, like if you're in this situation, you're an airline, you're not going to cut your order for a company like Rolls-Royce because it's not like you just go down to Parramatta Road and buy a second-hand car like for a jet engine. If you lose your spot in line, then you might have to go like 10 years back to wait for your engine. So it's a guaranteed order book. Things might slow down, but um, costs have been, like management costs have been cut dramatically in that business. And that's a sort of blue chip business that is not going anywhere. It's absolutely rock solid financially. The world actually needs these jet engines. They're the best, most um, efficient engines in the world. And I just think this is a business in three or four years. It actually could be multiples of its current I'm, price. I've got to say, Rolls Royce, it's been a graveyard of value investors <laughs> 20, 25 years. I, rec- I think it was probably the first stock I ever recommended as an analyst in, right? in 1995. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that was, I think it was about $2. So it's, it's, well, it's tripled over 25 <laughs> years. What does that do you? But um, the, uh, uh, what, one thing you're talking about balance sheets, I think is an important thing mm. because I think that that extends to the individuals as well. I think you, you need to think about your personal balance sheet. Mm. And what I always uh, think is that if my portfolio is at a point where I'm just as happy for it to go down as, as up, um, then I think that that's that's a good place to be because you know you see it go down. Look, I, I, I'm being a little bit too. Zen. I mean, look, I'm I'm never really that happy if it goes <laughs> no down. But no but but is. when the, when it goes down, you, you know you, you're you're excited to buy. You can you you've got some resources to put in to to take advantage of that situation. So if you're finding that 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 falls. Uh, bothering you that much, then it may be that you you you, you know you're a, a bit over. So if you if if I mean I I I have a mortgage, so effectively everything that I um, uh, invest is borrowed money anyway. But it but it's um, w- with a lot of spare capacity, and that spare capacity goes up and down, you know, depending on on how attractive it is, and that's effectively uh, um, having some cash. If if people are wholly long, if you're a retired investor with you know you know millionaires or whatever it is, or, or more of stocks. Um, in your super fund, and that's what you're living off. Then the, th- the way to think about this is is that you know the dividends out of these companies really isn't changing. You know, you, 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 when you buy a stock, you, you lock yourself into a dividend stream um, at that price and, and growing how you think it'll grow. And you know there aren't that many companies where the dividend or, or the growth prospects for that dividend are actually affected greatly by this. It's all about how that's valued. So it, it really makes very little difference to. To, to you know, to um, the income you can get from your portfolio. Yeah. I think. Sorry, just uh, one practical point too, which uh, I am thinking a little bit about uh, for our funds is if you've had stocks where you, um, everyone, particularly in the eleven-year bull market, and we talked about Donico mm. and a couple of these other little things that I have as well. If you've got these little mistakes in your portfolio, we're actually sitting on capital losses. This is probably a pretty good time if you haven't already to sell them, take the loss. I know a lot of our members aren't. Um, aren't taxed so um, the tax issues don't affect them most a lot but if, if you can sell these sort of things and just take the money um, you've got a little bit of cash now that can be an easy way to get a, a good risk-free 
increase in your after-tax returns, give you a little bit of cash, which helps you feel comfortable now and you can actually go and buy something you actually really want to put a decent amount of money into. Yeah, I've thought a lot more about opportunity cost in my portfolio because in the past, I think I've held on to stocks just for a long time um, and exercised patience on every single holding to the same degree. And I've said before that some stocks um, uh, are allowed to have more patience than other stocks. And so the the stuff that um, has uh, lots of debt, I'm, I'm okay to buy it, but I'm also going to be much quicker to act on it um, if something goes wrong. Um, and that's why I was very fast to sell um, MMA Offshore, which, um, you know, I still think it's a, you know, it, it's the result was actually quite good. Um, it's still a potential 10-bagger, but only if that oil price um, goes up and stays up. Maybe it's a good segue. Uh, I don't know whether you want to leave it until you've actually written your review, Gore, yeah. but Woodside's probably the biggest yeah. active recommendation for us that's been hurt the most this morning. Yeah. Any initial comments? Well, um, Woodside does have a small oil, oil division and it sells some of its LNG output on spot markets. Um, so it, oil prices do matter. It's not as though this is a completely irrational fall. But having said that, um, you know, this is a business that uh, uh, that sells mostly on, con- on a contracted basis. And so spot prices uh, falls in the oil price won't have a huge long-term impact on its um, valuation. Um, what you're seeing today is really a, a, a result of sentiment. I mean, it's an automatic reaction. Oil prices fall, oil stocks fall. Um, I, I don't think this ought to b- concern anyone, really. Um, Woodside has a rock-solid uh, rock balance sheet, probably the best balance sheet in the entire industry um, in Australia. And um, and it's got some of the best growth prospects of, of any LNG firm in Australia as well. Um, you know, we, I, I think that buy looks more attractive today than it did yesterday. Um, and if we weren't already, um, you know, well up there in the portfolio allocation, I'd be recommending um, adding some more. Well, it's probably a consideration for the growth portfolio now. Yeah, yeah, I would say so, yeah. Um, I would be more concerned about things like uh, Santos that still carry a little bit of debt. Um, I think Origin still carries a little bit of debt. And... And debt it just becomes more of a problem as the oil price falls and your revenues um, start to decline. Oil search is a whole different basket because there's a whole lot of things happening in Papua New Guinea that may have changed the game for oil search. Um, I've been thinking about those a lot um, and so far I haven't really decided how to weigh those up. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's going to require an article at some point as well. Um, but, but, you know, we're in the, in the best, um, safest and most conservative energy business in Australia, and I think that's that's a pretty safe place to be. Uh, for me, energy is one of those areas now with um, coal prices and oil prices and LNG prices just plummeting. This is a good place to sort of look for opportunity if you haven't done so already because we learned from the GFC that those um, pinch points are the ones that bounce back um, rather well. And unlike, I mean, I've expressed some uh, some fears about um, travel and, and how people's behaviours might change. People's the oil is completely unaffected by that. You know, at some point, um, economic activity will come back, and the oil price will um, will will go back on its merry way, the the way it's it's been going. Um, so I'm not really concerned about any lingering impacts, um, and I think this is actually not a bad time to be looking at this area. Uh, very quickly, we should just mention one stock each that we're kind of looking at. I think we've done that anyway, but let's do that for formality's sake. JC, uh, here we are. Um, there's a there's a panic. Wouldn't call it a crisis just yet, but but what do you like? What what do you have your eye on? Um, I I'd love zero to get a bit cheaper, but that's yeah. got a long way to go. Yeah. Um, Webjet's one that I'm looking at yeah. more uh, closely. So um, you know, uh, keep an eye out for that. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, Altium Ordinate um, are two that I mean I've already topped them up, so they've got to get a bit cheaper before I top them up again. That's mm. personally, but. Um, mm. You know, as a, as, a, as, as a publication, we're also looking, I mean, Ordinate's already a buy, but Altium is, uh, well, when, we, when I wrote about it a, a few weeks ago, we said below $30 now. Jeez, you it know, was $40 back then, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Amazing, yeah. Um, and uh, so, you know, uh, the valuation, you know, has been impacted a little bit by, mm. by this. It's foolish to suggest that it hasn't, but, uh, you know, so, so we've got to go and do, go away and do a few more sums on that, but it, but it's beginning to look a lot more attractive than it was at $40. Yeah, I, I would largely agree with that. I, I think um, some of these travel stocks, Flight Centre, Webjet, 
it's probably worth start, starting to look at these. I'm not really buying them yet. I think uh, we can be slothful and, and slow in accumulating. But yeah, I also agree that Altium is uh, is one I've got my eye on. Zero would be great to buy, but I agree that valuations still look silly to me. Um, one thing that looks kind of interesting is um, is AMA Group. We wrote a, 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 um, an ideas lab on this, and um, uh, it's the you know, crash repairer um, of default in Australia. Um, they're probably carrying a bit too much debt, and I think there's a risk of a capital raise here. So that's one to watch. If there is a capital raising and that balance sheet gets repaired a little bit, this will be an um, in interesting time to look at that. I've also made an effort to try and buy businesses that I want to um, I want to invest alongside, you know, businesses that have really good cultures and very strong um, managers. Two of those would be Mineral Resources and PWR. Um, now, so far, we haven't really... I'll add, add another to that, and Macquarie Telecom. Those three businesses all have wonderful operating cultures, um, wonderful owner-operators, and, and terrific track records. We haven't recommended any of them, although I own a couple in my personal portfolio, and I think this is the kind of environment where those three stocks would be... I'd be very happy to upgrade them at the right price. So I'm watching those. Nath? So I thought I'd try and be surprising, and uh, I'm actually <laughs> surprised I'm saying this, but... One where we sold and seized coverage of recently after uh, the investment case changed quite a lot was Smart Group. Mm. So this is the salary packaging and yeah. leasing company. Yeah. Um, that said, it still has some, uh, even though the investment case changed, and I won't go through the details here, but uh, the fact is it still does have a lot of actually very positive attributes and it, it's definitely not going to need to raise capital. It's full of cash and mm. pay special dividends along the way and it should be fairly immune from broader economic issues. Uh, it has company-specific like regulatory issues that might um, reduce its earnings a little bit. But in terms of that broader stuff, it actually should be fairly immune because the um, not completely immune because people are not buying new cars like they used to and that's more profitable for them. But the the end client or the end customer are healthcare employees. Mm. And so nothing really changes in their lives when you go through a recession, if you want to say. Mm. But the stock price has come down, I think, about 17 or 18%. Uh, since that downgrade and uh, even if the worst of the regulatory outcomes were to happen uh, I think it's probably only on around 10 times earnings mm. now so that's one where I actually think might be um, more getting pretty close to actually putting back on the on the buy list. Nice one okay a couple of ideas to look at there and uh, we'll be publishing regularly and we'll have um, updates on some of the madness should it get really any worse. <laughs> Um, gentlemen, it's great to, to have a podcast together. Yes, I said, I think the first time in years since we've all sat in the room together mm -hmm. done a podcast. Um, so it's great. James, thanks for your time today. Pleasure. Nathan, thanks very much for being here. Thanks, Gaurav. Everyone else, thank you for listening.